Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. We are starting things off just like we did 13 years ago to the day. Like to the day. January 26th, 2006. We started, right? No. no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. January 26, 2006. We started Spooky South Coast. We were hoping we could stay on the air for maybe 13 shows. <laughs> and here we are 13 years later. And uh, it just, it it seems like, uh, I don't want to say it seems like yesterday that we started doing the show because certainly, you know, it's it's been a long time and it's it's been a journey. And uh, the show certainly is different than it was back then. Of course, we've added Stephanie Burke. She's not here tonight. She's actually sick. And I'm starting to get sick. And I said, don't come in because she's just a coughing mess right now. And I said, it's going to be hard enough. Like, I need somebody that can bail me out if I start coughing. So if you're going to start coughing and I have to yeah, bring us both down, then, you know, Moniz will start coughing just because he wants to fit in. And then we'll all be screwed. So she'll... uh She'll be joining us uh, probably. I think next week. I don't. I don't know if she's traveling somewhere next week, but uh, she's been on the go. Yeah, she just got back from Hawaii. So when you when you're out there and it's nice and it's. I mean, she was already sick before she went there. So then you got to get on. I think probably multiple planes and fly all the way to Hawaii. Can germ factories exactly? And then you're going to stay out there, which is you know you you probably feel a little better when you're out there and it's nicer and mm. you know and uh, but then. You're also going in and out, I'm sure, of air-conditioned places and then back outside yeah. to the heat and you know all of that. And then you're going to come back on a plane all the way back here. And then when you get here, it's cold. So, And then it was wet and rainy. So it's just a, it's not a good recipe for getting well. So I said, uh, take this week off, mm. even though it is our 13th anniversary. But, it, you know, we, we, we celebrated every year getting up to 10. Because we felt like that 10 was like the milestone. <laughs> now we're kind of like, yeah, it's our anniversary. Let's, let's, you know, but it is. And, uh, but 13 is kind of a cool number. I mean, lucky 13. Yeah, for us. So who knows what this year will bring, but we're glad to be here talking with you about the paranormal, as we have been pretty much each and every Saturday night for those 13 years. We did take last week off. And in typical fashion, we take off a week because it's supposed to be a storm. And what happens? Nah, it's not really much of a storm. My concern... Well, it wasn't around here. Well, my concern was that the roads were supposed to get super icy. Yeah. And that is what happened. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was all kinds of stories the next morning of people sliding off the road and getting into accidents and everything. And that's what I was the most concerned about. It wasn't so much about getting here, because even though it was snowing... It would have been when, getting back. It's, it was snowing when, yeah. when we would have had to come here. And it was supposed to come down kind of heavy, but yeah, it was getting home that I was the most concerned with, because you're not dealing with... You know, we were just talking about it before we came on the air. Sometimes, you know, the roads are nice and clear at that time, but sometimes you've got the, the idiots that are out there that are like, well, all right, I don't care if it's slippery. I, I have four-wheel drive. I can drive 75 miles an hour. On ice, yeah. And yeah. It's a great four, equalizer. Four-wheel drive doesn't mean four-wheel stop. Right. So the the uh, discretion was the better part of valor mm-hmm. last week, and we said, yeah, let's just take it off. And... Part of the reason why was because I was so wrapped up in Hellier. I was watching that too. I was, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I watched like the first three episodes, and then I watched. Um, then I took some time off to listen to one of my friends' podcast. No, I watched 
watched the first four, and I took took a an hour or so, two hours off to listen to a friend of mine's podcast, which is nice to be able to sit and chat with everybody uh, while that's going on. Usually on Saturdays, I'm too busy, and then I watched the rest of it, and I said, "Well, this is an odd feeling because." I felt like the story was kind of wrapped up, but at the same time, I was like, I need more. <laughs> and that's very rare to be able to tell a complete story, but then still leave the audience wanting more afterwards. But uh, I'm happy to say I saw I saw something online today. Maybe it was last night, but uh, Greg Newkirk had a tweet out saying people were asking for Hellier merchandise. Really? And so they opened up a merchandise store, and they're using the proceeds from that merchandise to help fund season two. So there will be more Hellier. Excellent. But what did you, I mean, we're, we're going to try to keep it spoiler free. Okay. Um, but we can talk about it in, in some, yeah. some roundabout ways. What did you think of it? Because I know that you're somebody that probably uh, doesn't, you probably don't buy into a lot of the the Netflix hype of some of these shows that come out, or you know when all these shows become buzzworthy, right? Um, the old viral aspect of things, you know, everybody's jumping on this bandwagon. I'm more interested in the stories and why they're you know happening and the meat behind it. You can keep all the hypes and you know this and that. I found it fascinating because you know I grew up with the early, you know. Uh, Kelly Kentucky uh, story as one of my favorites because it involved multiple witnesses mm-hmm. and um, and a bunch of interaction as well as it was highly investigated by police, military, and the media. So it was very it was a very well documented case, and I liked how the Newkirks took that thread and applied it to this particular thing in case people don't know this story is about goblins right yeah okay. I, I don't know what i can well, talk we, we, yeah you missed the the episode a couple of weeks ago that we did where we had greg and dana on oh, okay and we we talked about you know what they can expect from it okay so we did we give pe- we gave people some information about it okay all right um <clears throat> thing i found really interesting was the connection with the great mammoth caves that right. whole cave system permeates throughout uh, that area, and it's very easy to go from one point to another if you're familiar with the cave system. So, yeah, that 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 was fascinating. And that's something you know that right away, you know, you kind of get a bit of the setup. It, you know, obviously, you can't tell a story right. with because all right, those of us who know and uh, are friends with and have worked with Greg and Dana over the years, like we we've heard this story. Anybody that's been following the Week and Weird. Uh, you know, they're weak and weird. Yeah. No, but anybody who's been following the, the com and Planet Weird and, and all of the stuff that they've put out over the years, you've read the story. You know the story about these emails that they were getting. But, you know, you have to have some of that set up for the audience that's tuning into this that has never heard any of that, never read the articles, that hasn't been sitting around waiting for years to see where this is going to go. And so you, you get that initial setup. And they do a good job of not burdening you down with too much of the story and giving you just right. enough of a tease and introducing you to who everybody is. But it was it was that moment when they said, it seems to us like these all are connected with the Mammoth Cave system that I just, the remote fell out of my hand <laughs> and I just looked at the TV and I said, 
Yes. Uh-huh. Because that's what I wanted. I Like I said, we know Greg and Dana. I don't know Carl and Connor all that well, but, you know, I followed their work. Yeah. We, you know, we're friends on social media and all that stuff. I, I know I know who they are and what they do. Um, I haven't had the chance to, to work with them directly yet. But I know that there's a danger when you're making something like this that is for the masses. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, they want this to be something that everybody sees. That's why it's out there for free and out there in so many different spots for you to see it. They want people to see the story. But when you're doing that, you run in danger of needing to limit the scope of where you're willing to go with the story. And that's why I love the fact that they did it themselves. Yes. Because they weren't under the thumb of a production company that would have said, well, eh, we can't really get into those bigger pictures. Because I've worked on, on television shows where I have tried to do that. I have tried to push for the bigger pictures. And I've been told, nah, you got to kind of rein things in a little bit. I mean, I, I guess I can say it now because um, it's 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 the show is no longer in production, and uh, all of the the stars that are in the show agreed with me on this. But uh, on Ghost Stalkers, we did an episode at the Springfield State Hospital in Maryland, and the idea was that we wanted, and that's for those of you who watch Ghost Stalkers, that's the episode where they caught the full-bodied apparition. Yeah, I remember that. With that episode, the idea was to really look at all of the paranormal aspects of what had been going on in that area. That area had so much more going on than just ghosts. They had, of course, the haunted places, but they also had tons of UFO sightings. They also had their own nearby monster. There was a, a, a like a cryptid creature, a Bigfoot-type creature that had been seen in multiple flaps over the course of decades in that area. And so I'm trying to tie all of this stuff in together because it it has to go in together. It's not that I'm forcing it to do that. We know living in the Bridgewater Triangle. It all overlays. Yeah, there's there's you don't need to force those connections. That's right. why all this stuff is happening, because there's something bigger there. And so that was and I said, well, we're gonna this is gonna be groundbreaking. And of course I'm working for Nick Groff with this show. And Nick Groff is all about that. You know, that's what he's been dying to tell that story. Uh, and of course, John Tenney yeah. is one of the people that's on this show. Nobody can tie together weirdness like John Tenney. He sees all the threads that other people don't see. So I'm like, this is, this is like, this is the perfect way to take at least paranormal television to the next level here because, all right, fine. Places are haunted. We've established that. We've had enough seasons of Ghost Hunters and Ghost Asylum, I mean, and, and uh, Ghost Adventures to say, okay, when we go to these places and they have these experiences, there's enough there to consider the fact that ghosts are probably real. But from that point on, where do you go with that information? It's not, it's like knowing that, oh, those white dots in the sky are stars and other planets. Good enough for us. We don't need to really study them anymore. We figured it out. Right. You know, like that would just be insane. So we were trying to push for that next level of where to take the story, the bigger picture, the forest for the trees. And the production company was run by Nick. So that got us some leeway. There was a bigger production company that was involved in it as well. And they were kind of like, mm, yeah, well, yeah, we can go down that path. Then it comes to the network. It goes before the network executives. The network executives say, "Now nah, we can't do that. That's that's just too much. Like, let's just keep it to ghosts. The name of the show is Ghost Stalkers. That's what it's about. 
yeah, we you, found the perfect case to to do that to ramp it up. Uh, now, yeah. to be to be fair, the same people were pretty much involved in some of the other shows that I worked on, and they allowed us to start pushing that envelope. I just think like they felt uh, the audiences weren't ready in 2014 to have that that crossover. Yeah. So, but now we see it more. I mean, the whole reason Haunted Towns came about was trying to piece together those threads. So now they're willing to, and of course, Amy and Adam, when uh, when they're doing Kindred Spirits, you know, they try to look for bigger pictures and bigger threads and all this. So we are at that point where things are expanding beyond, but nothing like what they were doing with Hellier. So the minute they said, you know, the Mammoth Cave seemed to be tied into, I said, this is going to go exactly where it should go. And it did not disappoint. They... I like what I, they did. I don't think we're giving it away if we say, like, as, <laughs> as soon as I heard them mention the Mammoth Caves, of course, but then they're driving in the car and they're talking about Keel, John oh, yeah. Keel. They're talking about the Mothman prophecies. And as soon as they start talking injured cold, that's when yep. my ears really perked up. Because, as you know, we've talked about this uh, on and off the air about how. You know that to me, I don't care about. I don't care about Mothman. I'll be honest with you, I don't. Like, fine, people well, saw a giant moth-like humanoid creature, and I it's care also about now, cold. Well, the thing is, it's also being seen now around the Great Lakes. First, it was right, Chicago. They, now it's, uh, I think, Indianapolis. We and, and we've had Lon Strickler on talking yeah. about that, and there's there's been some uh, some controversy around some of that, but yeah, well, there's always controversy, <laughs> but. Um, you know, that's to me. That's the story. It's 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 not the Mothman sighting himself, and we've talked about this on the show that it's the ancillary stuff that happened around the Mothman sighting because it's that Mothman is somewhat unique yeah. to Point Pleasant. I mean, we have Thunderbirds here and other other giant winged things have been seen, but you know, Mothman is kind of the Point Pleasant thing. But that injured cold character, we see things like that. In all kinds of other cases. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nick Redfern's made, you know, written multiple books about it. We've heard so many different interviews with people who have encountered them. It could be that the black-eyed kids are related to to that. It could be that some of these, you know, these um, these people who kind of walk between dimensions could be all related to all of that. So that's, to me, that's the bigger picture part. So I was so excited that they were going down that path. and uh, And it really... It was interesting in that they they let the story happen. They didn't try to yeah. follow any particular thread in a certain it way. As it unfolded, and if it if it happened to lead to a dead end, you know you felt their frustration as they hit that dead end, and then of course a, a new path would would turn up. So that's kind of the 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 narrative side of it as a, as a piece of visual art it was amazing yeah uh they just did a fantastic job in the presentation carl has a a wonderful eye and the way that they chose to film it in that horror movie style really kind of creates tension without having to force any tension like with the best part about that is watching that nobody is acting like you never feel like anybody is ramping up anything because there's a camera there. Not that that's what yeah. any of them do anyway, but you know, you just you feel that natural None tension. of it was forced. 
and it's and and you're along for that ride. So when you're sitting there watching, you know, an SD's method session, you're sitting there like, right now what's now what's going? Whoa, wait, what? Like so, it's 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 definitely worth uh, five hours of your time if you're looking for forty eight minutes. Check out and watch. Forty eight minutes. Right. That's you. You'll be pretty. You'll be pretty rat, and of course, at the very end of the show, they call Tenny yeah. to kind of wrap everything up, and it's it couldn't have been more perfect the way they they put a bow on it. Now, I sent you a uh, text after I watched it. Were you able to forward that information along, or again? Uh, I'm, I think that they were uh, aware of the information that you sent me. Okay, I did not forward anything on yet, but a little they're a little busy these days. They're on the the whirlwind tour. Gotcha, but I don't know if you saw like some of the like this is this is not just something that's uh, amongst the paranormal crowd, which they took a huge risk by the way in releasing it themselves, because if you put it on Netflix, if you reach a deal with Netflix or or Hulu or one of those streaming services, which they certainly could have. I mean, it's good enough, right? Um, I don't, but, I'm not saying I, I know for sure if they this did. This is it. on what YouTube. They put it on YouTube. They put it on Vimeo. They put it on their website. Yeah. They controlled where it went. And it's it's harder to get the word out when it's like that. But this was getting reviewed by, you know, Bloody Disgusting, Entertainment Weekly, like all these real big media entities were watching this and reviewing it. So um, I think that uh, it really, it caught a good buzz, like without having to be on these major services. And that bodes well, too. I mean, not everybody's going to be able to produce something that good on their own. Uh, definitely pro- professionally produced. But still, if there are people that can produce things that well, it shows you the path to be able to put that stuff out there for yourselves. So, The only complaint I had about it was the sound. The sound? Yeah. They, well, I was also streaming it through my TV, so it was a little weak. I really had to jack the sound up, but if, uh, if you're watching on a computer with headphones, I guess it'd be fine. I didn't have any issue. Might be might be a setting on the yeah the way that's feeding through. Uh, I was c- kind of feeding it through my uh, PlayStation too, so that's how. Yeah, I that might have been part of what it was. I just I I have the smart TV, so I just put YouTube the YouTube app up on my TV, and I played it through that, and uh, and it it got up to to. Um, the high resolution, and I had like great surround sound. It actually kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, I think if I probably went directly through the TV, it probably would have been better rather than slaving it through the PlayStation. Yeah, I probably just got it. a little little diluted or something yeah. there. But it's uh, it's definitely worth worth your time. I highly recommend it. If you don't, if you listen to this show and you don't watch it, then I don't know why you're watching the show. While you're watching us right now, we're listening to us. It had something for everybody, whether you're into ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies. You know, it had a little something for everyone. And uh, you will not be disappointed. Go watch it. Come back and talk to us about it. You know, you, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Shoot us an email, whatever. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be going down that rabbit hole with some of the things that they talked about. We'll bring them back. Well, and uh, we mentioned uh, coming up at the uh, the end of April. Greg and Dane are going to be up here. Yep. So for this uh, this X Filers event that's happening in Rhode Island, we'll have more information on that coming up in the coming weeks. But that's going to be one big gathering of weird people too, in a good yeah. way. 
including and, us. And speaking of weird, the uh, we'll have to come up with a, a catchy nickname for him when it comes to <clears throat> all things weird. But my little spoon is coming up to Massachusetts later on in the year uh, for the Mass Paracon that's happening in September. Okay. The the big headliners are are John Zaffis and announced this week John Tenney will be coming and being part of that. So, and Stephanie and myself will be there. And Moniz will probably end up coming by if he's not busy. <laughs> he, he, the Berkshires, that's like a 45-minute ride for you. Yeah. I remember because we drove to the Berkshires Cheers together. <laughs> I, lo- I remember looking down at me. mountain like, roads at 100. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's four and a half hours to get there. Moniz got us there in like just under three. <laughs> the only reason that it took that long is because eventually we got to a point where there was no more highway. Yeah. And you had to go through like intersections and red lights and stuff. <laughs> Uh, but uh, other than that, we would have made record time. Uh, so, but that that'll be coming up. We'll have more information for that as the year goes on as well. Uh, of course, there's all kinds of uh, great episodes coming up in the coming weeks. Next week, we'll be joined by Seth Breedlove to talk about his new project. Speaking of you know weird cryptid things, we'll we'll talk with Seth Breedlove of Small Town Monsters about the next thing he's working. And here's another guy who has built. Kind of a, a little bit of an empire with the Small Town Monsters brand and all the different documentaries that they've been doing. And it's, you, you kind of say, and Aaron Kadju and I have talked about this before. You know, there might be a lot of people who are filmmakers who have like one good one in them. And, you know, they don't really want to just be that one hit wonder, but some of them just have that one project that really drives them. And then they don't, don't have the same level of, uh, excitement or the same level of whatever driving them for the next project. That's not the case with Seth. I mean, Seth has put out multiple documentaries now, each one of them amazing. Uh, and I'm sure this new one will be just as good. He's going to, he's going to join us, talk about that next week. And they actually, they, they have a, a way for everybody to get involved with that. So we're going to talk to him mm-hmm. about that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to have Dr. Irina Scott joining us. And I had the opportunity to interview her on Midnight in the Desert a few weeks ago. And it was, I didn't know what to expect. I looked up her background. I looked up her information on her website. And I didn't really know where it was going to be. But here's somebody who had above top secret level clearance. Here's a person who has walked through the forbidden areas of Wright-Patterson. Here's a person who has seen things that you and I have only heard about. And uh, so just talking with her, I expected to have a, a very interesting conversation about those things. It just so happened, you know, the first question that I ask her is, you know, did you have a UFO experience yourself that got you involved in this? And she starts telling me the story that happened to her in Massachusetts in 1968 in the Bridgewater Triangle. <laughs> And so I have to like stop her. I'm like, well, hold on. Wait, what? Where did this happen? When did this happen? And she starts giving me all the details. And I said, this is incredible because there was a very big UFO flap here at that time. So this, this fits into that. And she had no idea. And so we start like kind of, as Phil likes to say on the morning show here, we start unscrambling the eggs and we start figuring out what's going on there. And she immediately hits me up after the show and says, I need to find out more about this. Okay. So I said, well, then you need to come on our show. And I now, as I'm talking to her now, and as I'm seeing all of her 
credentials, I say, in my head, I said, well, this is somebody that I've got to get on the show so that her and Matt Moniz can go back and forth. Uh, but then to, to find out that she has this experience here and that it ties into so many other things that are going on here, wait until you folks hear her story. I mean, some of you are probably time travelers with, with uh, Midnight in the Desert, and you probably caught that episode. And if you're not, you can go and sign up and be one. But when you hear her story, it's 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 not just, she didn't just see lights in the sky. Right. We'll leave it at that. Okay. And uh, and we talked a lot about Betty and Barney Hill, and so uh, we'll we'll certainly cover all that and more uh, when she joins us coming up in two weeks. And then uh, and then Moniz, you've got some uh, some friends of yours that are joining us uh, in March. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, end of February, beginning of March, around there. Uh, one of the first ones that's going to be co- coming on is Michael Lee Hill. Uh, he's an Anunnaki expert, and he's also an Anunnaki contactee. Uh, they've imparted information to him, so he's said, and he's turned that information into a measurable, testable results of things. Wow. Uh, and uh, give you a little spoiler, 432 hertz uh, creates a particular type of pattern. You know, energy and sounds and make patterns uh, there's a thing called, um, uh, I have a hard time pronouncing it, cymatics. It's, uh, we're using sound to generate an image. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sure you've seen that, uh, sand on top of a, uh, like a flat plane and a speaker underneath it. Mm-hmm. And different frequencies will generate different types of patterns. Well, he's discovered a certain, uh, frequency and pattern that produces effects on physical things okay now we know in science that resonant frequencies and frequencies of various things will have have various effects and the effects that he's discovered with his information that was given to him has produced some interesting results that have been tested by other scientists and uh, talking with them i'm going to join on board and see if i can replicate some of the work that sounds like a really good episode. Okay. And the other person I got a hold of uh, that wants to come on is um, uh, Calvin Parker from the Parker and Hickson incident in Pashkogula in the early 1970s. Uh, he wrote a book, and uh, he wants to come on and tell his story of what happened to him back in the 70s and subsequent events that have happened after that. So, the, I mean, we're going to... We're going to push the weird here in, in year thirteen, that's for sure, and that's I, I think we we we've got to do that. We've got to we've got to keep going down that path. I've got some projects that I'm going to be working on outside of the show as well. Uh, something that uh, Jeff and I are working on together that's uh, really really got me fired up, and uh, we'll we'll have more. De- can't can't give any details on the I can I can tell you off the ceremonies, but uh, a little something that we've got going on that uh, it's well, it. Well, Jeff's been very busy himself. He has, and uh, it, I've been talking with him about some of the stuff that he's got coming down the line, and it's uh, it's very interesting stuff. But people are like, "Oh, you know, he he he's been all over the place," but I haven't really, you know, had a chance to see some of the stuff that he's been doing because he's just been everywhere. What when you see the new project that he's working on, it's different. It's not. It's not. He's got something that he's. I, I can't really yeah, talk about okay. it, but he's. It's. Uh, Gives you a little bit more insight into Jeff as a person, oh, uh, God. and 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 his <laughs> what he's been up to the last couple of years, 
because uh, I think people know, you know, he he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So uh, it's we'll just say it's it's related to that, and um, he's got some other things uh, in the works. But this this thing that we something got dropped into my lap, and it has suddenly this this it, it was probably maybe two months ago that this got dropped into my lap, and it didn't work out the way that I wanted to at first. Got a little bit discouraged. Talked with him. And he said, well, what if we try it from this approach? And just so happens, let, it, it's, it's, if it works the way that we're thinking it's going to work, it might be kind of Hellier-esque. I was going to say, going into the whole synchronicity thing like they did? Nope, nope. But it's, it's being able to kind of take something that everybody in this area is familiar with, or at least people that listen to the show will be familiar with, and kind of being able to deconstruct it. Okay. And seeing where that goes. But I don't want to say too much because I really, I mean, I don't want to scare off the people that are involved in this more than anything because they're putting a great level in trust in us to be able to take on this story. Okay. But it's it's got me very jazzed. I've been reading, rereading uh, a couple of books uh, that I haven't picked up probably since we first started doing the show, maybe even before. So, uh, yeah, it's. I'll wait, well, I'll wait till the show's over, and then I'll I'll give you a little okay. bit of insight in because we haven't had a chance to really talk about it. Or maybe maybe I mentioned it to you briefly in passing, but I mentioned something. I don't know if I've gotten too in depth with it, so it's going to be super, super exciting. And even if it doesn't pan out the way that I think it is, it's it's just going to be an honor and exciting to be able to get involved in it and to try to see where it goes. <clears throat> but we'll. We'll definitely give you more information on that as it as it comes up. Just keep me apprised, and if I can help, I'll help. It's uh, I think everybody's going to be involved in, in some facet or another, uh, because it 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 affects all of us. Okay. Part of the reason that we're here, part of the reason why we talk about the things that go on in this area, part of the reason why people even care about the stuff that happens on the South Coast outside of the South Coast. So, yeah. That's what we call a teaser, yeah. for sure. Uh, so uh, we do also have another project that's in the works. There's a television production company that is coming to do a, a, a series. And we can't, again, you know, as we're kind of playing our cards close to the vest, we can't say a lot about the series because they have you sign non-disclosure agreements and all that. Uh, but it's a, it's a series that's coming. It's going to be focusing on different areas. And one of the episodes is going to focus on the Bridgewater Triangle. And so what they're looking for is they're looking for people who have had experiences in the Bridgewater Triangle, uh, maybe even some people who have never shared their stories before. So the producer called me up, said, of course, you know, we want to talk to you and hear your stories, but we also want to know some of the stories of your listeners. And what are some of the, the interesting stories that you've gotten over the years from your listeners? And I said, oh, you know, it's kind of funny because – we don't really get a lot of people that call up and and share stories that that tie into the bigger picture of things. We'll get people that will call up and tell us a story about something that happened in their home, but they know that it's their you know deceased loved one that's there. Or we've gotten called into cases where it turns out you know it's just something that's related to the property, but they're not these big picture Bridgewater Triangle connected stories. 
for the most part, the stories that we know about that have been ones that paranormal researchers have gone out and sought out and tied all together. We're the ones that are out there doing the legwork, and I say we, but you know, most yeah. of the time it's more yeah. the, the teams than it is. We're just kind of here um, collecting some of their stories too. But there are people out there that are having experiences on a on a daily basis, and they just don't realize that these things are connected. So I said to her, I was like, maybe we need to just get those stories in, and then you can kind of see where they fit, and you can see if there is those connections running through them. So what she wants to do is she wants to have us solicit to our audience and see if they can share any of their stories with them. Now, just because you reach out to this producer and share your story, of course, it doesn't mean they're going to put you on TV. It doesn't mean that you have to go on TV if you're not comfortable with that. And if you don't want to tell your story publicly, you just want to share the information so that they can have it, like all of this is good stuff that can help with this project. So uh, she could not join us live. She was supposed to join us live last week. We canceled the show because of the weather. And so she couldn't join us live this week, but they're kind of under the gun to get some of this information together. So I said, well, why don't we record something this week, and then we'll play it on the show, and then people can have the information, and they can get in touch with you, and she can take it from there. So we'll play a recorded segment. It's very brief, uh, only about like five, ten minutes. We'll play that for you right now. You can hear what the show is about, the kind of stories that they're looking for, and uh, and then you can see if it fits with you and if there's something that you can do to help out. So I'm going to bring that stuff up right now and just make sure I don't hit anything else accidentally because I have a habit of... No, not you. <laughs> so uh, we will play now uh, this, this interview for you. And uh, take note, there will be a phone number that you can write down to reach out to... Uh, this producer, Jessica, and it will be at the end of the segment. But, Matt, I think you're going to be able to put it up on the screen, too. So uh, you'll be able to see it if you're watching it on video. And if you're listening to us on podcast, on audio, or listening to us on the Dark Matter Digital Network or on the Paranormal Radio app, uh, she will mention that phone number a couple of times toward the end. So have a pen and paper ready. And uh, now we will go to that interview. All right, well, joining us on the line now, we have Jessica. She is a documentary producer who is working on a special new series that will focus on some of the weird stories of the southern New England, southeastern Massachusetts area. Uh, Jessica, how are you? Great. I'm really great. Thanks so much. Weird stories of the weird... A special new series that will focus on some of the weird stories of the southern New England, southeastern Massachusetts area. Uh, Jessica, how are you? Great. I'm really great. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. Oh, no problem at all. We're happy to help uh, spread the word. Anything that we can do to put a spotlight on the, the weirdness that happens around this area, we're happy to do it. Absolutely. And right now I'm looking for um, contributors who would be willing to share some of their um, strange and spooky experiences. Um, so, just a, oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, you know, there's a lot of folks that have had experiences that uh, that maybe haven't told them for the first time or maybe have been hesitant to tell them. So we just want to make sure that we let everybody know there's no judgment here. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to any story that people want to share. Absolutely. We're, we're really, really keen to hear some of these stories. And as you say, sometimes it can be quite hard to track people down. Um, totally understand feeling a little bit camera shy, but if you can get over that, we'll treat you very well. We, uh, we're really keen to hear um, the stories that people have to share. 
And um, so basically, just a little bit of backstory for you and your audience. We are a, um, a New York-based production company, and we're producing this brand new documentary series for a major uh, television network. Now, the uh, programs are going to feature the most haunted towns and locales across the country. And as you previously stated, we want to highlight the personal stories of anyone who's had a chilling encounter with a paranormal entity or energy. Um, our first episode is going to center on the strange and spooky activity of the Freetown Fall uh, River Forest and, of course, the broader Bridgewater Triangle area. So, as I said, if you've had a ghostly or unexplained encounter anywhere in the forest or the Bridgewater Triangle region, we really, really want to hear from you. And, and I would encourage people to, you know, even if you're not, if, if you're thinking that this didn't happen in the Bridgewater Triangle, still reach out anyway because the, the Bridgewater Triangle doesn't really have any defined borders necessarily. We always talk on this show about how there's this ever-expanding definition of the triangle. So any, I'd say anybody that had an experience in, in southeastern Massachusetts or in Rhode Island uh, should certainly uh, reach out and share. And, and you mentioned it's not just ghostly stories. You're looking for people who have had all kinds of, uh, of weird encounters. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, based on my own research, um, it, see, it seems, as you say, that the, this so-called Bridgewater Triangle region has been, at times, kind of narrowly defined. But it's very obvious that the entire region is, is touched by history. And, you know, that there are, you know, certain sort of energies which sort of like tentacles seem to have spread themselves beyond what is, you know, traditionally defined as the Bridgewater Triangle region. So I, I absolutely would encourage anyone um, within the southern Massachusetts area to, to please reach out. And, and we're talking, you know, it could be a Bigfoot experience or any other kind of cryptid. It could be a UFO sighting, anything along those lines. Are you looking for just people that have had experiences, or, or are you also looking to get some of their evidence as well, some of their photos or videos or, or things that they could share in that regard? We are absolutely looking for that. Um, you know, the more the merrier. However, I would add the one caveat that, you know, you would have to be willing to give yourself up along with the uh, photographic or recorded evidence. Um, we're, we're trying to steer away, if possible, from, uh, you know, anonymous contributors. Um, but I assure you, um, you know, I'm, I'm British and very friendly, so <laughs> no reason to be intimidated. And absolutely, there's, there's no story that's off limits. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different sort of encounters that people have had within this area. As you, as you mentioned, there's the terror birds, there's the Bigfoot experiences, there's the unidentified flying objects, there's the orbs. Um, and then there are people who have heard whispers, voices. There are people who have, you know, physically felt a presence, like they're being watched or something touches them, scratches them. Um, there are people who have reported certain emotional feelings in uh, either certain parts of the forest or various buildings. Um, you know, there's even, I read, you know, um, said to be a lot of cultist activity in the area. We welcome any, any eyewitness accounts for that sort of thing. Um, but basically what, what we're really looking to do is, you know, look at the history of this place and how it has, you know, colored, um, you know, the, the, the history of Massachusetts from, you know, I suppose the dawn of time to the present. But, you know, we're, we're looking at specifically at, you know, um, the New England settler history and, you know, and then a lot of the, the things that have happened since. Well, and how's the best way that people can reach out to you if they do have uh, things that they want to share, stories that they want to tell you? 
Um, if you could please call Jessica on 917-364-7476. I'll say that number again, 917-364-7476. Please don't be shy. <laughs> and, and is there a time frame? You said, you know, going back to the beginning of time, but are you, are you looking for more recent stories or if somebody had an experience in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, are you looking for those stories as well? Absolutely. We'd, we'd really like to, to place front and center, you know, the more recent stuff. Um, you know, anything that people may have experienced within the last, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years is, is very welcome. That's what we're going to kind of root and anchor our episode in. But then, of course, as I say, we want to kind of, we want to feature um, some, some of the, the stuff that, that sort of perhaps has colored the history and the, the general energy of the place. Um, you know, just to give an example, um, the Hokomok Swamp, which I know is, has been referred to as the beating heart of, of this specific area, um, was known as the place where spirits dwell to, to the Native American people and, of course, to the settlers as the Devil's Swamp. A lot of people say that this place has always been a sort of vortex of, of unexplained energy, which perhaps predates um, any conflicts between um, the settlers and the Native people. Um, but then, of course, we want to feature some of the more recent 19th century history. Of course, the famous Lizzie Borden house in Fall River is, is you know, a well-known case. Um, there's the Carl Drew um, cult activity. So, you know, we basically want to use people's stories to, to highlight why this is such a, a special area known for so much paranormal activity. And, you know, if any Puckwudgies are listening and they want to call in as well, they can they can do that as long as they speak English. Oh, absolutely. I forgot about them. <laughs> <laughs> so one more time, if you can give that number out for folks. Yep, one more time. Uh, please call Jessica on 917-364-7476. Excellent. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to us so that we can spread the word to the audience. Because, you know, we've been doing this show now. This will be our This is actually our 13th anniversary of doing this show and over the years, we've gotten a few calls of people that have called in and shared experiences. But, you know, with, with your accent and just your friendly nature, I'm sure you'll get way more calls than we've ever gotten. Oh, here's hoping. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And, uh, and, and certainly keep us up to date with the project and, and how things come along. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Tim. And right. thank you to the audience. Take care. And that was Jessica. And, uh, again, the number, if you want to uh, reach out, and share with her some of your personal stories and experiences. The number is 917-364-7476. 917-364-7476. And just let her know that you heard about it on Spooky South Coast and that you want to share some of uh, your personal experiences. Moniz, I, th- I think you might have a few that you could probably share with her. One or two. And uh, when we... when They're going to be coming up here and... And, uh, and doing some filming uh, later on in the spring. So uh, I wouldn't make any plans. Don't go too far because they're going to they're gonna need you, I'm sure. All right. With some of the stuff that I know that you have to share already. I, w- I was kind of telling her, you know, she saw Aaron Kaju and Manny Familari's documentary, so she's familiar, but I was telling her about kind of some of our adventures. <laughs> so she's uh, very interested in talking with you and Stephanie, so we'll, uh, we'll hook you guys up with her this week. And uh, and certainly, you know, I was telling her all about how every, you know, she knew that every year we do the Bridgewater Triangle show. Mm-hmm. And so I shared with her some of the experiences people have had uh, during that. And I, I want to say, uh, you know, as we're sil- sitting here celebrating our 13th anniversary, 
I want to say that I'm, I'm very happy that we are still able to each year put on that show, the Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show. It's not always easy. It would never happen if it wasn't for this guy over here in the corner, Matt Costa, always finding new ways to innovate it and make it so. Because I think, do you think that that show would still be something that people are looking forward to every year if we really had just limited it to people calling in from around the field? I mean, a lot of people like, I think it probably could have. It could, but I think the whole thing that makes that show is we get everybody involved in it. And I think the the way that we've incorporated, like now with being able to, to have the live video and bring that involved, so it really makes us that if you're watching us on YouTube as the show's going on, like you really feel like you're part of those investigations. And it helps to, you know, give extra eyes to what's going on to the people that are out there. Because let's face it, you've done it. We've all done it. It's not that easy to investigate and be reporting Boarding at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah. So, you know, you're not 100% focused like you would normally be doing if it was just a regular investigation. So I'm, I'm glad that we're able to keep that going and find some of these ways. And, you know, looking at all the investigators who have gotten involved with us over the years with that, and I, I don't, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, you know, just going all the way back to Luann, one of our first listeners, Luann Jolie, being one of the first people to, to be willing to go out into the field for us. And... All these years later, you know, she's still out there, still doing the good work. All of these people that we connected with in the very early beginning stages of the show and all the friends that we've met along the way. I mean, I think that's probably more important than the almost 600 episodes of this show that we've done now. It's not that. That's just, you know, 1,200 hours of entertaining talk. Right. Well, what we hope is entertaining talk. But what we wound up... 1,200, maybe like... At least a good four or five hundred of them must be somewhat entertaining. <laughs> but but all of the good friends that we made from it, you know, right. like, and not only like Andy and Mark and all of these other people, but not just us. Yeah, the friendships that they have made. Yes, you know, so that it's it's. I always say that we've if we've done anything with this show, and and this is where we, you know, wax nostalgic, and this is where we uh, put ourselves up on a on a pedestal that we probably don't deserve, but. If there's anything that we, yeah, (laughs) I need that anyway, just so I can see over, over the board here. But just the, the fact that we've been able to introduce people to other people, and the fact that we've been able to create networks, and the fact that we've been able to make good things happen, and there's so many threads that if you, I was just talking about this recently with Christy, Christy Parrish, who uh, is in charge of all the stuff that goes on over at the Oliver House. When I was over there in December, we were talking about. People were out there doing this stuff, but they didn't know the other people that were. And maybe they wouldn't be making these connections if it wasn't for that. And I'm standing there looking at what's going on at the Oliver House and what they've been able to do. And the group of great people that they have working there as volunteers. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Spooky South Coast, like, touched a lot of those people. Not to make this yeah. a me too thing, but <laughs> I don't mean it like that. But I mean, Spooky South Coast, like, all of those people are connected to us in some way and maybe got connected to each other because of this. And look at all the great things that they've been able to do. But I'm not de- trying to take credit for things. Five degrees of Spooky South Coast? I'm, th- that's probably more a better way to put it. Is it's just It's just that we're there. 
you know, it's the, these things didn't happen because of us. Because, but if we're the impetus to make things happen, I mean, there are some things that have happened just because of us. Usually, they're good. Most of the time, we hope <laughs> oh that they're God. good. But if you look at like just being able to to uh, put places on the map that nobody else had heard of, nobody would have ever looked for ghosts at the fear. Maybe they would have, but the Fearing Tavern would never have been open to paranormal investigation. More likely than not, but if it, it wasn't for us. It literally had decades, if not hundreds of years of reports of it, though. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole point. And, and you know, who knows? Uh, other paranormal groups from outside could have reached out to them at some point and said, hey, we'd like to come in and investigate this place. Maybe they would have said yes. Probably they would not have. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that because we were town residents, they were willing to give us a shot. But... You know, just that's just one example. And now look at the money that we've been able to raise for them. Look at the money that we've been able to raise for some of these other places. Yeah, we fixed their floor and several other items. You know, places like Lizzie Borden House, they're going to do fine on their own. Yeah. But some of these, some of these more obscure places, some of these places that didn't really realize that they could use the paranormal as a, as a, as a fundraiser for themselves. I mean, that's, that's probably what I'm most proud of is being able to help those places. When there's a place that's 300, 400 years old and you can say you played a part in helping to keep that perpetuating to the future, that's probably the best thing you can do. But, but, but the relationships that people have had are probably far and away number one because we're all weird. We all like weird things, and it's hard to find other people that like weird things. So when we can kind of be that that weird safe place. It's weird in the sense that you got a lot of quote-unquote, people on the other side connecting people here still on this side, if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you're part of the spooky – I mean, everybody's part of the spooky crew. That's the way we feel. You're all part of the spooky South Coast family. But, you know, maybe you've come out and been part of things with us. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're watching this from somewhere around the world. Maybe you're listening to this from somewhere around the world. But at least we've created like a little group of people where we're, everybody can be talk about stuff. Done, right? I don't know if we still are. We used to be. I think the one person that listened to us moved. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't checked the map of where people listen to it a lot. Matt, have you checked any of those stats, like where people listen from around the world? I don't know. See, that's the thing. Is like in 2007, I could probably believe it. When we started like looking into that stuff, 2006, I could probably believe it. Now people put so many different things to mask where they're from and yep. all that stuff. Like it's, I'm pretty sure at some point we're getting called in for the Mueller investigation. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, multiple times over the years, we were hit up by Roger Stone because he wanted to come on this show. And we just didn't have him because some of the stuff that he wanted to talk about wasn't relevant. You know, we try not to get into things that are political here. Uh, but some of his conspiracy theory stuff was really out there. And... um I don't know if we'd get him now. <laughs> I think He'd probably come on. I'm sure he would, but I think it might be a while before he would get to us uh, on the guest list. But uh, th- there's very few guests that we've ever said no to over the years. I didn't say no to Roger Stone. I just didn't follow up on it. Uh, one of the few that I've said no to is uh, I'd said no to Alex Jones. And um, I'm trying to think of who else. Well, and then there's that guy that keeps popping up every year under a different identity. Oh. Trying to come on the show and it takes me about ten minutes to figure out exactly who he is and then say, uh, yeah, no, we're not interested. If I even respond at all. But you know, we're willing to take on anybody. 
All weirdos are welcome here. And you're welcome to call in, 508-996-0500, We're going to take a break for the news because we're actually on the radio. We're going to be on yeah. the radio every week now, at least until the Red Sox start playing regular season games. Uh, and even then, they don't play a lot of Saturday night games early in the season. So we've got uh, plenty of weeks and plenty more coming your way. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk Entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Back, our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, here on the 13th anniversary of Spooky South Coast. And how often is our anniversary also on the exact same day that we started? Which I don't even remember, Matt, why we picked this day. It would be every four years. Well, but we're not always here. We like, Sometimes we skip it. Mm. Although I remember when it was our 10th anniversary and um, we, I pulled up and there were like no cars. It's it's very rare that when we pull up here that there's no cars because there's a, a 99 restaurant right next to the station. And for those of you who aren't from New, from New England, the 99 is like one of our popular chain restaurants around here. And this one's always bumping on a Saturday night. And uh, we we I pulled in. <coughs> I was the first one here. And so there were no other cars really around where the station is, except for this one car in the front spot, and it was a a, a Dodge Hellcat. Ooh. And I looked at it, and I said, oh. Oh, the station bought us a Hellcat for our 10th anniversary. <laughs> but it turns out it wasn't wasn't ours. It was somebody else's. Some some guy comes out of the night, and I'm like, what are you doing with my car? He's like, no, no, this is my car. It's, it's my 10th anniversary. He's like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, so, no, but... We we are, and I brought in champagne. Right, you usually do. I'm I'm kind of glad that you didn't tonight. I would have been like, because <laughs> I'm feeling under the weather. Um, no, instead I brought in Taco Bell. Well, then I'll be like, <laughs> that's a different kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, noise. But uh, so uh, I I don't remember why we picked this date originally when we were doing the show. Was it just because that's the date you two had available? I think. <laughs> we weren't doing anything on Saturday nights. What were we talking? Well, maybe Matt was. He was a he was a young buck back then. But I was all, I was already married with a child. My Saturday night days were over. But uh, I think we had. I think it was like September or maybe October or whatever. I think it was September when we were told we could do the show, and then we just spent a couple of months like kind of building what it was and trying to build the website. Our original uh, 
was it Happy Snail Media was our first website. Our friend Pat made that website yep. for us. And uh, then we started trying to figure out, like, how will podcasting work and all that stuff. We're still trying to figure out that all these years <laughs> later. Uh, what do all these numbers mean? Like, what, how do, Why can't I upload a show? What? How, why does it disappear when I do that? Um, and then we spent that time kind of just practicing, but we never really like did a dummy show, like where most shows that are getting started, like they'll start doing practice shows. Yeah, I don't think we ever really did that. We we kind of like figured out how we were going to do it, but we didn't like sit here and do a two-hour show. Maybe we didn't. I just don't remember. But uh, if we did, that would have been pretty funny to have saved for posterity because I'm sure it was terrible. I still sometimes I go back and I listen to the early shows and I cringe because every single week, I don't know why, but I sounded like I was out of breath. Like I just ran, I was going to say a mile, but it would only really take like a 50-yard dash to get me out of out of <laughs> breath. But every single show when we first started, it sounded like I was like, uh, good evening, welcome to Spooky Southfields. Like Nerves. I just yeah, and and I I don't think that I was like freezing up, but it certainly sounds like I was. The only time I ever really froze up on the air was the first newscast that I did. I didn't freeze, but like I felt yeah. like I was, like I felt the anxiety and I felt like I was like running out of breath, but after I got like through my first story, I was okay. But that was uh that was the only time I really like coming into this, I felt fine. So I don't know why I sounded that way, but whatever. I'm not any better now, but at least, at least now I don't feel so anxious about it when I sit down here. It's, uh, I, th- I think we just picked that week because we didn't want to do it like right after the holidays. There was probably some football games or something that we had to wait for. And so that would have been the first week after the football games, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's an easy one to remember, so at least I've never had a problem remembering January 26th, so that way there, you know, you might forget other important anniversaries like people's birthdays or your wedding anniversary or any of that stuff, but you always remember the spooky South Coast anniversary. So, yeah, 13 years. Did not think we would make it this long, but I'm glad that we have. We didn't think we were going to make it six months. Well, you came in about three months into it, I think. Mm, you came in in yeah, March, yeah. like early March. So maybe, maybe probably like maybe six or seven episodes there were before you joined. Uh, so, if, yeah, it was early March. I can go back and if I, if I want to say, was it the was it the Penny Dreadful episode was the first one you came in for? Mm, no. I was actually in here... There was one that you, the first one you were in, you didn't sit behind the microphone. You sat over in the chair, and that was when Derek Bartlett. Okay, so that was the Capers episode. So that was pretty yeah. early on. That was like probably like the fourth or fifth episode. Yeah, it may have been February. And then, yeah. then we told you the next week, like if you're going to come in, yeah. you like just sit on the microphone. And I, even then, you didn't really say much. But <laughs> like we always would say, hey, Moni doesn't say that much. But if he says something, listen to what he's saying because he doesn't say much. So if he says it. It's important. Well, I I prefer not to interrupt the guests or you because... See, you, that's 
that's a thing that's a thing that we have to talk about and uh and well this is a discussion we'll definitely have when stephanie's here but that's the thing we have to talk about there's this like overriding sense of i don't let anybody get a word in edgewise and it's not it's not just from you guys it's like from some of the listeners too i want more i want you guys to talk more but it's yeah. it's it's not in either of your natures to be the dominant one in the conversation. Well, it's one of these things I was always raised: don't interrupt people. Right. You know, my you've parents always, are always like, you don't, you know, don't interrupt people. As long as I've known you, you've always been more of a listener than a talker, anyway. You know. Well, I can I can ramble on if I'm right, but to, but you're interested in what yeah. people have to say to you. See, I don't really care what you're saying, so I'm just going to talk over you. Oh, okay. <laughs> that explains a lot. No, but it's it's. I guess it's just kind of my. I mean, Matt knows. He he worked with me for years before I had a microphone, and he'll tell you I didn't shut up. So it's just how I am. So now that I'm talking into a microphone, I'm not going to shut up either. And when I sit in my office all day during the day, I'm yelling at the radio. I'm yelling at the people that are sitting right here. And yelling could, at the computer screen. I could come in and I could I could discuss it with them, but I don't because then I know I just I won't stop. So I uh, I do kind of give that air to some people of like, oh, how come we don't let people talk on the show? Sure, they can talk anytime they want, but somebody has to. So well, when we, you can't, and I, we can't have dead air. Right. When you and I are sitting across from each other, we can give each other signals, hey, I want to speak on something or, or, or back and forth. Um, but I have been a lot more vocal lately. You have. And uh, and I appreciate it because I, I I don't want to have to be the only person that talks for two hours. I don't like when people say, "Oh, I was watching Spooky South Coast on YouTube. Why does that guy just sit there?" Well, a, a lot of it is I I don't want to steer you away from where the subject is. You know, you, because we can go off on tangents, and then it's no longer a show about what we started with. You know, you go back around and it's like, ah, okay. But also. Like, you didn't really want to come into this with a, a role of, you didn't want to be in front of the microphone. You know, we kind of reluctantly dragged you into that. Right. I was looking to provide you with basically my Rolodex and my library is basically what, how it started. I, I gave you a lot of the people I knew and who were a lot of our early guests and I recommended the various books and things like that, gave you subject matter. I was trying to help out that way, you know, behind the scenes, like I do with a lot of other, you know, yeah, and, and let's uh, your Saturday night days were not over. Just to reiterate, because uh, John was calling me out for that. It, it, it's not really proper English. You're right, but you know you you were you know you had a, a second career for yourself in addition to your regular work as a, as a chemist. You you were a sound guy. Yeah, you know, so Saturday nights were like a prime. Like, hey, somebody might need me for a gig kind of night. And then I remember in some of the early days, you did have to miss some shows yeah. for stuff. Yeah, um, but. So you you kind of just wanted to be that's why you're the science advisor you wanted to be in an advisory role and we said no come and talk on the microphone and share your experiences with us and you know 13 years later we got you to actually open up a little bit yeah you did but the yeah. uh, so it was never a secret no I know but it's it's also you know how it is like we 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 will never have Stephanie give readings on the show it's just it's not what it's about. You know, yeah, yeah. and and people have actually said that. Well, how come she doesn't do any readings on the show? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, because like when she's here, she wants to be a host and not be put on the spot. She's done readings on the show before when she was a guest, 
But when she's here, it's to build her, you know, knowledge base on other topics and not just talk about what it is that she does. Right. And also to, you know, work on her own, like, interview skills and things like that and not be the person that is the focus of the con. You know, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like let, let, let's not put everything um, – if it comes up in conversation, she'll talk about what it is that she does. But She winds up doing the same thing I do. We want to listen to what – I, yeah. I don't want to turn it into perform, monkey. Yeah. You know, like, that's <laughs> what I'm trying to avoid with it. And, and I don't want it to become a crutch where if – you know, the conversation is lagging or if a guest is terrible, I don't want to be like, okay, I know that I can cut this off and we can just go to readings with Stephanie because that's not really fair to her either. And then the other reason why I don't want to do it is because if we did that, then every single week people would tune in thinking it's readings with Stephanie. And that's not what we want the show to be. That's not what Stephanie wants to come in here for. Well, what I liked about how we put this together, uh, we've done it as... The show is about the guests, not about us. It's about the right. subject matter at hand and who's presenting it. We're just ancillary to it. And we're just here to learn ourselves. Like, we're not here yeah. to... That's why I don't really like to just bring on guests that reiterate the way that we feel about things. You know, I like to learn new things, and I like to have different approaches to things. And, you know, and there's there's nothing better... Then when you ask somebody a question and they say to you, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before, or I've never thought about that, or that's a really great question. We get that a lot. And I, I walk away from an interview feeling like I've done a good job if I hear that. But at the same time, I don't get that upset if I say something and a guest completely shoots it down. Like, fine, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Because that is probably something somebody out there was thinking. Yeah, Mike. And I- so I asked the question. You know, it's, if it's, if it's, if it needs to be asked, I will ask it. Sometimes I will say things that are ridiculous and a guest will say. Sometimes. I mean, in terms of a question. Yeah. I know I say ridiculous things otherwise, but you know, and, and the guest will, you know, nicely say, I don't think so, Tim, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's certainly not, you know, it doesn't turn into anything contentious. And I think that's why people like coming on this show again and again is because we have good conversations without it turning into we're not doing this because we're trying to show the audience how, how much we know about the paranormal or how important we are or any of that stuff. We do this show because we just we want to have a good conversation with people. All right. Uh, what I like is we've done shows where we've actually just stepped into experimentation right on the air. Let's try this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, how many times have we done that with various techniques? I, I mean, it's it's got to be something that's good for radio as well as video. Right. So it's it doesn't always work with everything, but there's. I mean, we've done things here that I never would have thought anybody would do on the radio. You know, the, we've done stuff on this that kind of goes outside the realm of the, the paranormal, right? Because we can, because nobody's paying attention from the radio station. So if we want to try to sneak something in on the air, we can. So, like, if we want to interview Eddie Money or Mick Foley or the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, or any of that <laughs> stuff, we can. Sometimes we're able to tie it into the paranormal. You know, we had Lita on. She had, you know, UFO experiences to share with us, talk about her UFO show. But, you know, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm working on something now. I'm, uh, I'm trying to... Because I heard... I was listening the other night. I was... I was driving home and I was listening to uh, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. I don't know if you ever listened to that show, but uh, no, 
He's he's on you know later on in the evenings uh, before coast to coast, and it's it's interesting you know Clyde. Some of the stuff that he does, I I agree with. Some of it I don't. There's a lot of heavy conspiracy stuff, and some of it I think is a little bit too out there. But he's he does a great job of of presenting balanced viewpoints and, and letting guests have their say. And uh, the other night he had on one of my heroes, Doctor Demento. Ah. And Dr. Demento is actually promoting, uh, he has a new book out that he's worked with uh, someone on, and he had a lecture series that he was doing this weekend at his alma mater out in the Pacific Northwest. But I heard Dr. Demento on the show, and I said, I tried in the very early days to get Dr. Demento to come on Spooky South Coast. I'm going to try again. So I am going to try and see if we can get Dr. Demento on the show. Dr. Demento. I'd, I would do my Dr. Demento impression, but I'm sick, so I won't be able to do it. But uh, if we get him on the show, I guarantee you I will do it that night. I'm not saying it's any good. Are we going to do the show opener with fish heads? I don't know if we would actually be. See, that's one of the things that I've always wanted to do. And Matt and I have talked about this in the past. I've always wanted to do a Dr. Demento, Dr. Demento style show here. But, like, we don't have a full music license, I guess, is the oh, way okay. that it works. So, Well, you only, you're allowed to play, what is it, 15 seconds? No, any- that's that's... They changed that rule? Things are different now. We live in a new era of with the, the streaming and all that stuff. There's all different kinds of I rules. I was going to say, broadcast-wise, we could do it. Uh, even broadcast-wise, there's certain limitations that you have, but our biggest problem is our broadcasts are automatically streamed. Oh, So that's going to put that caveat on that. And, uh, and certainly, like trying to do it as a podcast, forget it. If anybody is podcasting music... Yeah. It's, you really can't do it. I mean, I don't know how Dr. Demento does it, but, well, he doesn't. That's the thing. It's not yeah. a downloadable thing. He's giving you a stream. Um, so there's, there's all these different avenues and aspects of it. So it's, it's hard to do. But man, I've always wanted to do, I've always wanted to grow up to be Dr. Demento. Uh, you have no idea how many mixtapes I used to have as a kid recording all of those old songs. And you would, you'd, you know, you'd tune in and you would listen to, like usually in the first hour, they'd have a couple like really good ones. Yep. To kind of hook you, like yeah, to hook people in, and then you would get kind of uh, a little bit of, you know, maybe some of the older like the Spike Jones stuff, and so, you know some of the you get a few from. He, he did a good job of kind of rotating back and forth. It was the very old well Commander Cody's, and yeah. And then he would have a theme every week. Yeah. There would be a theme to the show, and then of course everybody listened for the Funny Five. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, and whimsical Will would always, uh, you know, be involved, and they'd have weird news and all that stuff. But the Funny Five is what you tuned in for because those were the songs that you would really want to record because so many of them were usually topical uh, that you could bring them back to your friends. So whatever, like the latest Weird Al song was, like you were never going to hear Weird Al on the radio. No. Very once in a while, maybe somebody might play a song. But if you wanted to record Weird Al because you didn't have the chance to go out and buy the the cassette or the record or any of that, you listened for the Funny Five because it would show up and uh, and you'd be able to record it. And so I would always record that the Funny Five at least. I tried to record the whole show, but I would try to always, you know, yeah. used to air on here locally. He would air Sunday nights on a Boston station. Yep. And I was always coming home from my grandparents' house. So sometimes we would leave late, and I wouldn't be able to get in front of my recorder in time to get to Dr. Demento. So I always just wanted to be there by, like, 11.50 so I could get the Funny Five. And 
they weren't always all funny, but they were usually pretty good. And and so many of novelty songs are representative of the times that they're in. Like one of the songs I'll I'll always remember was the song called Barbecue Spuds McKenzie. Oh God. Yeah. Where yeah. <laughs> the, the whole purpose of the song was they were going to eat yeah. the dog yeah. because they were tired of seeing him everywhere. And uh, there was, there was, uh, I think, I want to say it was, was it Nuns and Moses was a group? And uh, they had a song called We Love Barney Fife. And it was, oh. it was uh, a parody of uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. It was like, We Love Barney Fife. He's the deputy of Mayberry. <laughs> you know, and so just some of the classics of, uh, of that show. Uh, Stairway to Gilligan's Island was, uh, yep. That was one that would always get played. And, you know, you had mentioned fish heads, shaving cream. Napoleon the 14th. Yep. Coming to take me away. Uh, Vampire Stan- beavers. Some of the, uh, Stan Freeberg stuff. Well, you know, that's the only place you could hear that unless your parents had Stan Freeberg records. <laughs> um, and one of my favorites of all time. I, and, and I like it and, and other people don't. I've talked about it with other people here in the building, with other people, like, other people don't like the Dickie Goodman stuff. I like the Dickie Goodman stuff. You know, are you familiar with the Dickie Goodman? Yeah. Um, he was the one yeah. who would do like a, like a fake interview. Right. So he'd be like, we're here with President Nixon. And he would like ask a question, but it's, it was a it's, recording it's a yeah. cut of a song. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I thought that that showed some real ingenuity. And he was doing that stuff all the way back into the fifties. Um, I tried doing some of those here and nobody really appreciated them. So we should we should do a few of those just like paranormal ones. I don't we'll probably get bagged for trying to put them up on online, but another thing we should do and I a lot of my friends I say, "Oh, go check out my radio show Spooky South Coast." And they go digging through the archives and the one that always gets a reply, "Hey, can you guys do another theater episode?" Yes, and we will. We uh I was Chris is uh, working on something. Chris Balzano. Okay, and uh, we'll we'll definitely come up with one of those uh, sometime in the near future. H and X Media in the chat room wanted to know what was the show that I mentioned with Doctor Demento. It was uh, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and uh, I actually saw the archive was up on online, so you can check that out for yourself. We do have a call on the line, so uh, let's take that. We'll see where that takes us. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Uh, good. Good evening. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Uh, we're doing pretty well. Uh, does it matter what I... Is, can I talk about any subject? Uh, well, we stick to uh, paranormal topics here on Saturday oh, nights. paranormal. What's, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Well, I was in a store last week in the South End, and this gentleman was in there, and uh, he was pretty neat looking, and all of a sudden, someone, one of the clerks asked him, Hey, how you doing? He said, oh, all right. So the clerk said, where are you sleeping? He said, down at the Millican at Fort Tabor. So the guy's kind of like, he, he was taken aback a bit. He said, there's some crazy things going on down there. He says, I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> Tim, I'm going to hang up and enlighten me a little of what this man I mean he he didn't look homeless to me to be honest with you he was very clean very neat maybe he had just gone somewhere and took a shower or something but he was petrified well I don't I don't blame him uh... oh boy and I've been thinking about this all the time every time I I haven't run into him since then though but I saw him 
many a time before that, but he said, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. He, he kind of like went real white, you know, uh, so I don't know. <laughs> so I did see that uh, filming that you had, or uh, somebody did it down there a while ago, and um, ugh, pretty eerie. Yeah, there's there's been a, a few shows when they used to let us in there. Now they won't let us in anymore. Oh no! The the so uh, long story short, <coughs> excuse me. Long story short, the uh, the city got a new uh, city solicitor, a new lawyer, and uh, they made the determination that uh, they no longer wanted to allow people to be able to enter Milliken because of the safety concerns. So where we we were allowed to enter with permission from the military museum. Uh, that permission has now been revoked by the city. So anybody that's in there is in there. They're trespassing. And yeah, uh, right. they do go in and do sweeps and, and uh, make everybody leave because, uh, you you know, you can be thrown in jail for it. Well, if you're trespassing, yes, of course. And we, we've tried to, you know, whenever we talk about it, we try to put that, that disclaimer out there that uh, we, we don't condone anybody sneaking in there. Every time we've been in there, it's been with permission. Uh, anybody that does go in there, you are breaking the law, and you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent. And also, it's dangerous. Like, you really shouldn't be in there if you don't know what's going on in there, because uh, there's a lot of, like, little holes you can fall in, a lot of things that you can trip on, a lot of things that you can hurt yourself. And, like you said, people are living in there when they shouldn't be, and you don't know who you're going to encounter when you go in there. Oh, my God almighty. This man, uh, he rides a bicycle, and... Um I'm telling you, he was very handsome, to be honest with you, and he spoke very, very well. Um, but he, again, he went white when she asked him, and he said, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. There's such crazy things going on. And I thought, oh, my ears perked up. I couldn't believe it. Well, I mean, we've we talked here on the show about some of the experiences that we've had there, uh, just you know, from from feeling, hearing the, it sounded like the roof caving in on me, uh, and we figured out that it was actually phantom cannon fire that we had caught on on recording. And uh, if you watch the episode of Ghost Hunters that film there, they talk about somebody seeing the the glimmering man, uh, this like shiny, shimmering uh, human shaped thing entity at the end of the hallway, at the end of the the long hallway. I was the one that saw that. Uh, it was myself and some other investigators, when we were there filming during the day, broad daylight, filming for uh, PBS's uh, New England Legends, Jeff yeah. Belanger's show, and we saw this thing right standing at the end of the hallway. So there's there's all these different stories that have happened there, but I can tell you that if you're in that place, if you're in Milliken, and you're just standing there, and you're dead quiet... No you will, pun intended. Right. You'll hear footsteps. You'll hear voices. All of that stuff is going on in there at any given time. So I can imagine if anybody's sleeping in there, yeah, they're they're probably hearing all of that stuff. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, if I have, I haven't run into him since, but if I do, I'm gonna <laughs> gonna ask him again. But oh my! So it's just I don't know. I I I worked in the nursing home. I really believe in this stuff because it happened to me, and. uh it wasn't very. It wasn't pleasant at all. Can I can I ask which nursing home? On Hawthorne Street. Okay, because there's there's paranormal stories associated with uh, the one here in Fairhaven. Really? Well, it's 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 kind of been debunked to some bit uh, d- to some degree. So there was a, a legend going around for a long time that uh, when you drove by it, the one on Main Street, 
if you were listening to a certain radio station, what would happen is right when you went by the nursing home, your radio would cut out and it would go from playing contemporary music to playing this like old time big band type music. And, and the reason that the urban legend that had developed around that was because there was a patient there who had kind of, you know, wasn't really all there anymore and uh, was trying to run away from one of the orderlies and ran out into Main Street and got hit by a car and killed. And that, you know, this person was a big fan of that big band era music. So what would happen is anytime the car would drive by playing the rock station, she would manipulate their radio to play big band music. But in actuality, it just turns out there's like this one little like kind of weird spot where a couple of radio station signals cross. And so you're actually going like one station up the dial, which was big band music. It's not anymore. It's there's a, there's a station out of Plymouth that used to play that type of stuff, and now they play you know more more contemporary stuff. But that was that was where that legend originated from. Well, uh, things actually happened to me. In fact, um, my husband passed away in the home, and for some reason, the administrator there. Uh, these things only happened when I was on duty, and until it happened to her, one night she came down to uh, send me home, because I was not working again, something had happened, and when she came down to tell me to go home, and I said, for what? She said, well, things happen to here when you're on duty, and I thought, oh, my God. So anyway, something happened right there in the room, and she was right there and saw what happened. She said, you've got to get out of here. You've got to leave, and you can't come back till you go see a priest. I said, see a priest? For what? I didn't, you know, Tim, I didn't know what. I mean, things had happened to me, but I didn't think that something like that was going to happen. I was going to get sent home for, for these things happening, which I didn't understand. I never believed in that stuff, but I went through a lot there. I really did. And then things uh, started to happen uh, when I wasn't on duty. So uh, they had the paranormal, um, I don't know what you'd call the paranormal uh, people went in there one evening. They went in at midnight, and uh, I guess they got things that they had uh, taken pictures or films or they. The administrator would never tell us. Oh, huh, so they really they, don't. Yeah, they wouldn't tell. They wouldn't tell you what they found. Nope. Wow. Nope, not the workers. No. Well, uh, I can I can tell you that. Uh, you know, we've we've had the chance a few times to investigate like different businesses and stuff, and you know, sometimes they do ask that you you keep that stuff under wraps. So I'm not surprised. Maybe they didn't want to tell yeah, the. I can understand that. Maybe they're worried about right. people telling outside people and. But would it, would it have been a little bit more sensible to tell somebody that's been affected by this, it's got nothing to do with you? Right. And nothing I also, that effect. if I was an investigator, I'd want to talk to the people that work there and find out about their own experiences, too. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, if if you tell me that a certain thing happens to you at a certain time or or that, you know, you, you seem to have these repeat experiences, I want you to be part of what's going on because maybe it is just focused on you and well, I need to be able to, to eliminate all those variables. Well, until uh, one of the bosses who, who just thought I was nuts and my worker was nuts and um, it happened to him. 
so then, of course, things changed, okay? And uh, I guess that's when they got somebody in there. A priest went there and, um, you know, performed, uh, what do you call that? Uh, an exorcism. Not an exorcism, like a blessing yeah, or yeah, clearing? I couldn't think of it. But uh, it wasn't until long after that that it started up again. And um, actually, I was afraid to go to work, to be honest with you. And, um, and it, I was very uncomfortable because I had people looking at me. Because, you know, word gets around. And I um, nothing ever happened here in my home or whatever. It just seems, I don't know. It was just weird, very, very weird. But it did happen to me. Well, but that's the thing is, like, we feel like it's it's weird and scary because... We don't talk about it when it happens, or, or because we don't have it happen often enough. So it's it's the unknown, and and that's what we're afraid of more than anything. Like I can tell you all the experiences that we've had; it's nothing to be afraid of. You know, that's the thing is it's it's. Moni said it, you know, years ago when we started doing this. He's like, "Hey, you're either going to run toward it, or you're going to run away from it." And I feel like you know I'm somebody that runs toward it because I want to see it happen again. Yeah, and yeah, well, I'm kind of over. Now, but if anybody, uh, you know, I, at first I wouldn't tell anybody because I was so afraid they'd think I was nuts. However, uh, it, like I say, it happened to a lot of people in there. Not a lot, but some, you know. And I was afraid. To, <laughs> I was afraid to go alone in the in the home by myself. And uh, so we always were in pairs. And it did happen a couple of times, you know, like. Uh, um, Oh, those things you open up a box with, a box cutter, uh-huh. uh, was thrown in it. Now, this is in a nursing home with all sick, old, you know, elderly people. It hit the ceiling and, and cut it, cut one of the tiles. Oh. Fell in the floor. That's, um, that, yeah, that's, that's when things get a little bit, uh, that's when you start to worry a little bit about people being safe. Yeah. yeah safe. You want to hear, uh, people scream. Oh, it was awful. Then one night, uh, a a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, full of coffee, just flew across the uh, the first floor. Um, like just like in midair. Midair, yeah, and it flew past some of the nurses and the the aides, and of course everybody, you know, runs like wild horses because we're so frightened. But it did happen. It did happen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was just so strange. Well, uh, I, it's hard to explain to people because they just look at you, roll your eyes, and but it's true. It did happen to me. And it's it's hard to really like pinpoint exactly where that could be coming from. You know, it could be could be former patients that weren't happy with the way that they were treated, maybe or yeah. Well, it, I'll tell you another story. The same, uh, you know, in the elevator, supposedly when the paranormal people were there, they took pictures. And one was in the elevator, they saw a man, and they made out the word that he said. And this particular resident that was there used this same word all the time to call, uh, you know, the, um, the, the nurses or whoever was taking care of him. He used that same word. Wow. Yep. Again, <laughs> we never saw, it was never talked about, and um, uh, 
those people that things had happened to, which was mostly downstairs in the basement where I worked. Uh, everybody was so afraid to just, you know, like go in the the, the room alone, you know, the cafeteria room, uh, go even to the bathroom. Uh, you were afraid. Well, it sounds I know like I was petrified. Sounds like you might be a good candidate to call uh, the TV producer that was on earlier, looking for stories from the area. Oh, I didn't hear. I, I, I just, I, I've been watching TV. I had to put my animal, my dog, down yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I have never had to do that, and I'm just a little upset about it, and I can't really sleep too well. So I just decided I'd listen to you. Most of the time, I put it on to listen to you when I fall asleep. <laughs> well, that's okay. so do the rest of us. That's what we call a left-handed compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I, I know. I can't. So, anyway, tonight I wonder if Tim's on. I'm going to see if I can. I don't feel like I'm going to sleep. So, sure enough, I can't sleep. So, and I'm not one of these to pop anything to take. You know, to go. Eventually, I'll fall off. But well, I just thought you'd like to know that. You know, I appreciate it. And if you if you ever have trouble falling asleep, just listen to me. I'll put you right out. I promise. <laughs> now, one more question, Tim. Do you? Ever sleep? <laughs> uh, yes. I hear you during the daytime. My God, he was. Every once in a while, I, I close my eyes for a few hours. So, do you not require a lot of sleep? Uh, I used to not. No, I used to sleep about four hours a night. Oh my lord! Uh, but then I started sleeping eight hours, and I kind of liked it. So, <laughs> I was like, "This is probably better." But <laughs> lately, I've been having a, a lot of trouble sleeping myself too. So. You know, maybe I should just listen to myself talk and knock yeah. myself out. We've got just so many things going on in our lives that uh, sometimes it's, you, you know, sometimes you're overtired. You, I know I can't sleep. Yeah, that happened to me a couple times this week where I really? got home and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to bed now. Yeah. Like within seconds, I'm just out. You know, right now I think I'm going to get up and go watch tomorrow something. I hate those programs at night, but I'll put the news on or something. I don't know. Well, it was nice talking to you. Likewise. And if I ever run into that gentleman again, I'm going to question him. Absolutely. And yeah, report and back to us and let us know what he uh, what he says. All right. I certainly will. All right. You have a great night. And you as well. Take Good care. Night now. Hopefully she, she gets some sleep. If uh, I can recommend a few episodes of their show if she <laughs> uh, has YouTube and wants to, <laughs> wants to get knocked right out. We have another call on the line, 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Jim? Yes. Happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Hey, I love what you guys do. Well, thank you. Um, I just uh, I wanted to share a little story with you guys. Um, so I've been researching, like, the Bridgewater Triangle probably, I would say, since, like, you know, 2007 or eight. Um, you know, quite a while. Uh, I've gone, also gone to Dogtown Forest as well. Um, I've researched a bunch of these places. I've hiked in a bunch of these places. The Blue Hills, uh, Freetown, uh, you know, uh, Dogtown, whatever. Uh, but I just wanted to share a story about when I had went to Freetown State Forest. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's kind of funny. Like, I don't, I, it wasn't so much paranormal as much as I felt like an idiot. And I have been wanting to call you guys and share the story for months. And my wife has been so embarrassed. <laughs> uh, 
she is so embarrassed. She has not wanted me to share the story. But it really isn't that bad. Um, but it is funny. Um, so, uh, anyhow, um, we went to Freetown State Forest, um, me and a friend of mine. Uh, it was about 2 o'clock, so we went a little bit later than we had uh, wanted to. Um, when we got there, it was like very overcast, you know, overcast and cloudy. Um, it it really wasn't ideal uh, to go hiking in, but we did it anyways. We drove, you know, thirty miles or whatever. We're getting we're getting out and we're gonna hike. Sure, right. Um, so we so we go into we we go into Freetown State Forest. We originally we had been looking for Anawan Rock. That was what we had set out on. Uh, we had thought that that was going to be the destination, Tim. Um, but we don't we don't know any better. We just we we typed it in the ways and the first place it gave us. We parked, we parked, and we went in. Um, so we go in, and literally, I swear to you, there was no light in this forest, Tim. I, I like I said that to my friend. I said, "Do you hear that?" He says, "Hear what?" I said, "Nothing." Right? Yeah. No, there that's was no birds. There was no bugs. There was no nothing. Like it was dead, completely. Um, and so we keep going hiking and whatnot. Um, you know, we, we're going and we're going. Uh, it was one of your classic stories. As we kept going, I said, uh, "You know, you're paying attention to where we're going back, right?" said yeah sure yeah yeah yeah. i remember i'm like okay dude you know i'm like all right i'm like i'm i'm trusting you like you remember uh but anyway so we keep going further uh it hits about five o'clock six o'clock um and it's starting to get a little dark out i'm like all right Uh, uh, my phone is at about 40 percent um his phone is nearly dead because he just didn't even bother to charge it. Uh, so we keep going further, and I'm like, all right, dude, we need to turn back. I'm like, obviously, we didn't see anything. Uh, um, you know, uh, nothing is going on. Let's turn around. He says, okay. So me and Craig, we turn around, and we we, we start to go back. I, I get to a fork in the path, and, free, and Freetown State Forest is huge, by the way. It is huge, Tim. Um, I didn't realize kind of how, how big it was. Um, so anyhow, we we get to this fork in the path, <laughs> and he, and I say to him like, you know, you're sure we're going right here? You know, you sure? He says, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, Okay. But uh, we take the right and we go further into Freetown State Forest, and way further, and. He was definitely wrong. Um, we didn't take that right. Uh, we hiked about nine miles or so in. Um, what ended up happening was we saw some kids jeeping. They have they have this, these big, large rock structures and, and stuff that kids four-wheel on and this and that. Um, we ended up stumbling across a group of kids. We must have terrified them. Seriously, Tim, like, they, they saw us, like, I was sweating, it was like 5 o'clock, we were just wandering, they're like, what are you guys doing here? I'm like, oh, oh you know, we're, 
which way is out, you know? And uh, these kids are like, uh, you're about eight to nine miles away from the entrance. Um, it was terrifying. So at that point, and I think honestly, Tim, that they had wanted to give us a ride. But we were so sweaty and sketchy looking that they were like, nah, we're, we're not even gonna, we're not gonna offer these kids a ride. So like, I kind of wish they would have, to be honest with you. Uh, so we kept on trucking. Um, my phone was literally on the verge of dying. I had an iPhone, thank God, with Mac. So we're lost in Freetown. And, uh, so, I go on my map, and, and um, it's starting to get dark out at this point, mind you, Tim. Like this is when I really started to freak out. It was like a, it was like a, a mental thing. Yeah, uh, you don't want to be in there in the dark. My phone, my phone's dying, Tim, and I, I it's at about thirty to forty percent. I put it on map. Um, literally, we don't know where the trails lead anymore. We got lost. We got really lost. Um, so all I was going on was the map, uh, literally. And, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with maps, it gives you an arrow in which direction you're pointing. So literally, we just start walking uh, towards the edge where the road was. Uh, um, we, we must have walked for about an hour and a half. The sun was going down. Uh, we literally, I started sprinting by the end of it. We were so scared that we were sprinting, sprinting. I had cuts on my ankles, like, running through the brush. There was no more trails anymore. Like, we were just going through the bio reserve of Freetown State Forest. Uh, you know, and this went on for a while. Uh, and we finally got to the edge of Freetown, to a road. Um, and I was... Cut up at the ankles on my shin. So sure, yeah. was we were sweating. We didn't even know what direction we were really where the parking spot was. So we just started walking on the road. Um, <laughs> the, we walked by the fire department. That it was completely empty. I'm like, hey, where are the firefighters? Where are the, where are the police officers? Um, it, it was empty. We must have walked for another three or four miles. Um, and ultimately, we found the parking spot. We found the spot. Uh, we were we were going, you know, the correct way. Anyhow, that's my story. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. It's very uh, easy to get turned around in there. And uh, uh, dude, I, dude, Tim, I was pretty scared. I don't know if you know that was the scary. You know, the enchantment of that forest is getting lost and now you're freaking out you know it wasn't so much there wasn't puck wudgies and uh, you know uh in your face there was a, a mental thing that me and this kid experienced that we freaked out and then you know because all i could think about him was what if my phone died what if we didn't get out of there you know what i mean yep no absolutely well uh, i thank uh, you very much for sharing the experience with us yeah, <laughs> I like, and believe me, like I've hiked in, in, in other paranormal. I've went to Hockamock Swamp. I I relentlessly tried to find it. Uh, I've gone to Dogtown, all all the different paranormal spots. But Freetown really sent us for a loop. Anyways, thank you. All right, have a good night. You too.
And boy, and uh, so yeah, no, I mean we've we've been through that ourselves before, where it's been it's Matt and I the first time we ever went. If you don't mind me sharing the story, I think we talked about it before, but the first time that we ever went to the Freetown State Forest, um, and I think I think he meant Profile Rock because Anawan Rock's in Rehoboth. Well, he may have been looking <clears throat> to go hit. No, but uh, I, because he said that they walked from the rock to, to the, in, into the forest. So profile rocks right across from Cross, the forest. Yeah. So just, just for, just a point of clarification. Um, but the, uh, the first time we went, we went to profile rock and then we went over to the Freetown State Forest. And I want to say it was, it was probably late afternoon because we, uh, I think we worked and then went after work. And so it was probably late afternoon. And we drove to the ledge. And we got to the ledge. We're at the base of the ledge. And we parked. Matt had his truck. We parked his truck. And, uh, and we started walking. Right at, right at the pond? Yeah, right at yeah. the, right at the water. And we start walking up the side. And like, you know. Did you walk up the right side? And so if you're standing there patient. looking at it, it would have been the left side. Oh, yeah, you, left took, side. you, you huh? took yeah. the rough way up. Right. It was not well, easy. We didn't realize that until we got well, to the that's, top. That's the thing. So we, we go through all this trouble to get up there. And Matt's in much better shape than me. So he, you know, he's kind enough to wait for me as we're, but remember it was like. It, it was, to be honest with you, it was a little disheartening because it was when we got to the top and we saw the road, we were like, cause like the whole, the whole time we were like, oh, this is like a really like, this is a remote spot. Like, yeah. this is why, this is why like, like uh, people come up here. And we get to the top, and they're like, "Oh, there's a road." Yeah, yep. a road. <laughs> we we a road. We get we go all through like walking up these rocks, and like at one point, I'm like uh, doing that thing where like there's roots coming out of the side, and like grab the root to pull yourself up, yep. and like do it all that. And uh, I don't. I think I wore boots. I think I was smart enough to like at least not try to do it in sneakers. It was an adventure either way. But yeah, we so we get to the top, and it took us a little while. Well, it took me a little while, and we get up to the top, and sure enough, as soon as we get up there, we see what's it, Slabridge Road. Or Copacut Road. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Copacut what, Road is the one. What's Slabridge Road? Where am I coming up with that uh, one from? I know where you're Copacut Road yeah. is the one that goes up, up up on the back. And um, and so we get up there. We're like, oh, man. <laughs> like, jeez. We could have just driven up here. And what's funny is, like, it's not even a matter of, um, it's not even a matter of, like, having to come from the other direction or having to already be up at a different level. Like, if we had just driven a little bit past where we had parked, the road would have gone up around. Onto that, but we we were just we're, well, we we decided to go left, and if we had gone right, we would have yeah. gone up, it would have gone up, 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 up and, and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you but. know, lesson learned. We had a fifty-fifty shot. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and then and uh, you lost. <laughs> and then, of course, the next time we went up, we were all in the car together, and and we we pull up to go to the the top of the ledge. I think we were filming something or what have you, yeah. and and uh, we get there. <laughs> there's a drug deal going on. <laughs> like, there's always a drug deal yeah, going like, on we'll up wait, there. We'll wait. That's okay. No, you guys finish what you're doing. Uh, we'll wait till after that. All right. Well, we are just about out of time uh, for this week's show. And uh, I want to thank everybody that tuned in and checked us out. I want to thank everybody that called in. Thank you uh, to the callers for calling in and sharing your experiences. Uh, again, if you missed the discussion earlier with Jessica about how you can call in to her and share your experiences for that television show, uh, just check this show out on YouTube or on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. You will find Spooky South Coast. We are now... Also on Spotify, which is very exciting news. So all of you who are Spotify users, you can now find Spooky South Coast there as well. And, of course, we repeat every week on the Dark Matter Digital Network. If you want to 
kind of just listen to the show in a streaming fashion. You can check us out Tuesdays on the Dark Matter Digital Network. Uh, so there'll be lots of great shows coming up in the future, but next week will be Seth Breedlove talking with us about his new project and how you can get involved in making that project happen. If you are familiar with his work with Small Town Monsters, you know that uh, you're in for a treat with what he's got coming down the pipeline. And also, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you have not watched it, check out Hellier. 100% recommended. Uh, I give it five stars, two thumbs up. It is uh, it is the perfect, perfect paranormal journey for you to go on on a weekend like this. No football tomorrow. I mean, the Pro Bowl is on, but who's going to watch that? You know, no Patriots game to worry about uh, the until the Super Bowl comes. Can't believe the Patriots are in the Super Bowl again. That's ridiculous. But anyway, um, you, you know. So if you're looking for something to do tomorrow, watch Hellier. Check it out on YouTube. Check it out on Vimeo. Check it out at Hellier.tv. That's probably the easiest way to get to it if you're on the on the internet. But if you have a smart TV, or if you have a computer connected to the TV, just go right on YouTube. Check it out there. Highly recommended. Well, that does it uh, for us for this week. If you want to reach out to us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com or hit us up on Twitter at SpookySC. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. So many ways to reach out to us during the course of the week. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us. Tell us who you are, where you listen from, how you found the show, and uh, let us know what kind of topics you want us to cover here as we enter the 14th year of Spooky South Coast can't believe that our, our show is a teenager so until <laughs> next week for Matt for Matt for Stephanie I'm Tim stay spooktacular <laughs>